so excited to introduce you to Tristan Thibodeau of Wild Women House. She is a one-on-one branding consultant. She also has her own branding agency. She helps people clarify what aspect of their brand needs the most attention, what their brand really is, (laughs) who they actually are, and helps them build a brand strategy that isn't just tactics. It's actually holistic and it's based on who you are and what works for you so you can build a sustainable business. That is the elevator pitch. What we ended up talking about in this conversation absolutely blew my mind and my heart wide open. Like as often happens on Find Your Magic, just started talking about that deep down truth of what it's really like to follow a dream or just follow your gut, your intuition towards something that you never even imagined for yourself because you couldn't visualize it when you were stuck in a situation or a job or a relationship that wasn't the best decision for you. We, uh, trigger warning, we discuss eating disorders. Um, We also discuss, I think, a conversation that needs to be had more often, which is the decision about whether or not to have children and how often women who are trying to build companies or do something really big um, in the business world, you know, we're shamed a lot. We're shamed if that is a question that crosses our mind and there aren't really a lot of kind, warm, welcoming spaces to have that conversation. And it's interesting because Tristan is on one side of the equation and I'm on the other side, but this conversation that we ended up having was so valuable because it all comes back down to giving yourself the toolbox, giving yourself the skill set to understand how decisions feel in our bodies so that we can understand what is a full body yes and what is a maybe and what is a hard pass. They're all important. All that information is so, so vital to continually creating and crafting a life that is meaningful and full of purpose and also plays to your talents, plays to setting you up for the life that is going to be the one that delivers the most happiness to you. (laughs) I think that that's really what this podcast and what I'm trying to do in the world is all about. How do we give ourselves the tools, the permission to understand what it is we actually want, who it is we actually are, so that we can create something that helps others do the same. So yes, we talk about branding. We talk about, you know, clarifying personal brands. Um, We talk about business stuff, but the meat of this conversation is really about giving you examples of times where we both, but especially Tristan, listened to our guts and our hearts and made the best decision for us. And we also talk about what happened as a result of those decisions. It's, for lack of a better word, magic.
Please enjoy this conversation with Tristan Thibodeau of Wild Women House. Tristan, thank you so much for being here on Find Your Magic. I feel like we have so many different topics to pick your brain about today. So thank you for showing up. I have the biggest smile on my face right now. I am so excited <laughs> to talk to you. You came on the Wild Women Hotline, which is my podcast, about a month or two ago, and we just had the best conversation. And I'm like, I need to spend more time in Kelsey's energy. So here we are. <laughs> yes, I love it. I know I actually went to, um, I'm in a moon circle with some women here in Santa Barbara, and it is a, it's the last full super moon of the year right now. And it's something called, I keep wanting to call it Lion's Moon main portal, but that's a lion's gate. It's lion's gate portal, which frankly, I don't really know what that means, but it sounds really fucking cool. But I was in this moon circle last night with these amazing women. And the through line is that every single person at the table, there were five of us, is forging our own creative path and making money in a way that isn't necessarily the traditional job or we're in the process of transitioning out of that uh, traditional job or traditional way of making money. And we were saying, the reason I bring this up is what you just said, like spending time in each other's energy. We were saying how valuable it is just to be in each other's energy and be in that space where you feel safe, really tuning in, right? And really like being full and vibrant and whatever comes up for you is totally fine. And that's what podcasts are too. They're energy, right? It's like we're your friends. Tristan and I are your friends and we're hanging out with you while you're doing the dishes or driving to your pick up your kids or whatever it is. And you're spending time with us in our energy. And it's so cool to think of it like that. Mm -hmm. And it's really one of my favorite ways to meet like the most aligned people because you literally do feel each other's energy. And that's also such a strong component of brand. And what I do is like speaking from your voice, speaking from your truth, and also letting yourself be seen And podcasting is one of my favorite ways to do that. So I'm a huge fan of the medium. <laughs> well, what a lovely transition into talking about branding, Tristan. Oh, my, like my, my. You work in marketing or something. It's like I do this for a living or something. <laughs> <laughs> let's go ahead and let's go ahead and move right into that. I would love if you tell the magic makers your story because it's super inspiring to me and I know it's going to be inspiring to them of how you kind of moved from that safe quote unquote job mm-hmm. to what you're doing now. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. So I'm going to give you a snapshot of what I do now, and then I'm going to take us back in time and tell you my story because it is a wild one. So what I do now is I work as a brand strategist and consultant for female and female identifying entrepreneurs. I also run an agency, which is a branding and marketing agency called Wild Woman House, which automatically gives you a feel for the type of people that we work with, right? So through the agency, I, I we have a I have an urge to growl. Just so yes, you know. or howl like <laughs> ow. 
<laughs> yes, you can. Yeah, I'm trying to, like, that normally in real life would have been much, much louder, but I have a microphone in front of my face. So I don't want to blow out anyone's eardrums. But through the agency, we all work as a collaborative team, which the really cool part is everybody on the quote-unquote team is an independent business owner. She has her own business. She makes her own money. She has her own name, but we all come together to collaborate on these big brand projects with custom websites, custom brand identities, market strategy, like all these really amazing things. And we just have the best time. And literally, I love these women with my whole heart and soul. I could cry about how much fun we have together. So this is what I do now, right? But let me take you way back to high school, which is where my story starts. Mm. So growing up, I was a creative. I, You could find me in high school when everybody else had left the building in the art room with like one light on, right? With my hands in whatever there was there. Question. Like, Very yes, important question. Very what important. were you listening to uh, on your, oh my like, God. On your okay, iPod okay. mini? Because I love knowing pink, this. Pink. Mm. Pink iPod mini. Yep. Yeah. I had a red one. iPod. And then I had the big gigantic 32 gig. And I had a, I had a cover on it that looked like big juicy lips. Oh so like, my God. this is the era, right? I yes. was listening to my chemical romance. I was listening to all time low. I was listening to Dave Matthews band. I was listening to ACDC. I was listening to Santana. I was listening to literally, I was all over the place. Can I tell you a quick secret yes, that please. no one oh. knows? Like I've oh my never, God, I'm talked, honored. About this. Yes, I've never talked about this publicly. This is so <laughs> embarrassing. I was briefly in an emo band in high school. Okay, called, but I can see it. Called The Real You. <laughs> it's so embarrassing, Kristen. <laughs> but there's boy, so much howdy. angst in that. We had feelings. We had all of every feeling that ever existed. We had it. Literally, my first tattoo was like this angsty, first of all. I had a friend that was a Chinese. We're going so off tangent and I love it. I, love I had it. a friend that was an exchange student from China and I had her write in Mandarin, I am my own. Oh, that's beautiful though. But in the angstiest energy you can possibly come up with, right? <laughs> like the real you, I am my own. I oh got my this gosh. If this paints the picture, right? Just like this super rebellious, angsty, anti-authority individual. That I am me, with right? you. I am with okay. you. So here I am in the art room and this is like, this is my, this is my magic. This is my talent. I am an artist. I got a ton of scholarships for art. I was winning awards. Like I was in my school, the artist. And then something happened in transition from like, I want to say junior year into my senior year where they start to prep you for a career. They start to prep you for like, okay, what are you going to do with your life now? Right. Yeah. We're going to college. We're going to do all of these things. And I literally wish I could remember the person that said this to me, but they're like, you know, that whole phrase about being a poor artist is actually a real thing. And for whatever mm -hmm. reason in my body, I had grown up, we weren't, poor but we never had extra yeah. right it was always tight everything was a question mark of can we do this you know kids were wearing under armor for track i was wearing the the walmart brand and that's yes. just kind of the way that it was right and so hearing that and hearing how in addition to wanting to be this artist i also wanted to live a life of freedom where i was traveling all the time i could afford to live in a really nice home like I could have all these niceties and also have a freedom-based lifestyle. Yeah. So hearing that, literally everything in my body was like, nope, this mm. ain't it. 
shut it down. We got to find something that's quote unquote safe. And for me, this was such a like denial of self that I didn't even recognize in the moment because of my age that part of me literally turned off when that happened. My creativity got shut down. My self-expression got shut down. Of course it it did. It was all from this fear of scarcity. Like I don't want to struggle. Right. I no don't one want does. to struggle. No right? one when presented with struggle as an option is like, yeah, that. Right. Right. <laughs> Correct. So when I was applying to schools, I was like, well, I'm basically starting over. I don't know what I want to do now. Like, mm. what do I want to do? And I had always been a really strong writer. Like the liberal arts is my zone. That's where I thrive. Right. I had also always been a really strong writer. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll go in as, you know, a literature arts student and do all of these things. And maybe I'll also study religious studies because that sounds super cool. And like, we love Mm -hmm. that. It's cultural. It's like big minded. It's all of these big lofty questions that we deal with. Right. Yeah. So I went in as that and along the process realized this is also a poor artist community. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. And the school that I went to was all sciences. It was all engineering and medical and the liberal arts department there was very underfunded. It wasn't very well-rounded. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting out of this. Right. I then joined a sorority where my big sister in the sorority was training and going to school to become a dietitian. Mm -hmm. And the more that I kind of spent time around her, the more I kind of picked up her energy and the more I was really inspired by that. I had also grown up with a family that was super health conscious. So I always joke that my grandma is literally going to outlive us. Like mm-hmm. she is going to be burying all of us while she's <laughs> drinking her oat, like while she's eating her oatmeal and drinking her green juice. Like that's going to be my grandma, right? So I had grown up in this culture and I was like, okay, I'll become a dietitian. I love health. Mm-hmm. Also was dealing with an eating disorder during this time. I love being thin. Oh, wow. And then right? that control- well, and let's pause there for a second. Thank yes. you for, thank you yes. for um, sharing this. I know that this yeah. is a you know, a big, um, vul- potentially vulnerable topic. So thank mm-hmm. you for addressing it. If at any point it gets uncomfy, please no, girl, say, tell me, we can move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would love to address, uh, the eating issue. I think for myself, it came to control and like that starving artist mindset, right. Plus the world tells you in order to be a successful woman, a perfect woman, then you have to literally make yourself small Mm -hmm. in all of the ways Mm -hmm. and food. I feel like we don't talk about eating issues as much in the entrepreneurial world as we need to be, because it is such Mm -hmm. a slippery slope. It's something that we do every day. Um, Mm -hmm. and more often than not, those of us who are entrepreneurs, who are artists, we crave control. We crave stability. And I can't tell you how many entrepreneurs I've spoken to who have at least a history of struggling with eating and eating disorder Mm -hmm. and food disorder. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you are not alone. (laughs) It's also a source of validation and safety. Mm -hmm. It's all of it comes down to safety, right? It's like growing up when I say health conscious, yes, everybody ate well, but really what I mean by that is the women were hyper fixated on their bodies, the women in my family, right? Like Thanksgiving, 
everybody would be on the scale the next day. Oh my God, I gained three pounds. Oh my God, I wow. gained this amount of weight. Look how big my butt's getting. Or, you know, God bless. I love all of the women in my family. I love, but literally they just grew up in this culture where that was just normal. Like dieting was just normal because that's just what you did as a woman. You kept your quote unquote frame. Mm -hmm. Right. And so like oh. around my junior year, around my junior year, around my senior year is when I really started to develop this unhealthy relationship with food. Yeah. And that very much also pushed me to go into nutrition. Cause I was like, if I go into nutrition that I'm going to learn the best way to stay thin, mm -hmm. I'm going to learn the best way to be quote unquote healthy. I'll be yeah. fit. I can teach other people how to do this. Plus it's my career. So I have an excuse to Ugh. obsess over these things. Right? Plus it's hold please. Yeah. Plus it's my career. So I have an excuse Correct. to obsess over these things. Correct. Wow. Yes. Wow. Truth yes. bomb take that. Wow. You guys, if you knew how many health coaches, nutritionists, fitness experts have eating disorders, I would be is, surprised it's if an it was industry, less than 90%. It's literally an industry that breeds body dissatisfaction and body dysmorphia. Yeah. Right. And growing up, like my mom had a stint as a fitness competitor. And mm. I just remember looking at her as a fitness competitor and be like, Oh my God, that is so impressive. Yeah. That is so amazing. And literally my entire college career, I ate and worked out as if I was prepping for a bikini fitness competition. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody knows about that world, but like when you're prepping, you are doing really hard things to your body when you're yeah, in it's not, you're not getting healthy. You are no. actually like putting Depleting. your body through trauma. Correct. You are depleting your body. You are basically keeping yourself alive, but eating as little as possible. Yeah. That was basically how I lived my entire college career. Oh, right. Man, Tristan, that's so hard. It plus was you were starving go. yourself. Plus you were starving yourself spiritually, emotionally, spiritually, and creatively. Yeah. Right. It was not a good experience. And so yeah. being who I am today, and I can talk about my healing journey and all of the work that I've put into literally transforming myself inside and out. Yeah. But had you known me then versus who you know today, you'd be like, these are completely different people. Thank These God. are complete. Thank God. Right. And just to speak to the power of sisterhood, it was my female friendships that helped me get out of that. Yes. These are the women that introduced me to life coaches. These are the women that took me to women's retreats. These are the women like literally my, my best friend, Kara, who is a body image and eating disorder recovery coach. Wow. Good for became, her. Right. Like cosmic synergistic colliding of lives. Right. Yeah. So going through college, living like that, obviously I was miserable. I have a history of familial depression and mental health issues. I was an insomniac. I had rampant anxiety. So I was just like a very unhappy, unhealthy individual. Right. Yeah. yeah. I get a full ride scholarship to go to Arizona State University to do a master's program in nutrition to become a dietitian. And in combination with this master's, it is one year of a graduate program where you do a thesis and all of these things, right? And then there's one year of the internship, which to correlate that to the medical industry, it's kind of like your residency, mm -hmm. but for a dietitian. So you spend a year like in a clinic doing the stuff, right? Got it. So I went through my master's program, miserable, 
hated it, hated every second of it. First of all, the way that they, the way that you work in a science heavy field was the complete antithesis of what I am as a creative. Yeah. Right. So that was extremely challenging, but I also just knew in my heart of hearts that like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to become a dietitian. Right. Yeah. And so what ended up happening, and let me just backtrack to say like these internships are incredibly competitive. The one that I got into accepted 12 people from the entire country out of thousands of applicants. So Magic Makers, back when I was freelancing full-time and I only had one-on-one clients, I was in such a pickle because I really didn't understand how I was going to be able to scale my business and be able to actually make money without literally putting more hours in my day. I was so burnt out. I was so exhausted. I didn't know what to do. I hated having to hunt for clients every single month. And I am not exaggerating when I tell you the best thing I did in my business, looking back over the last three years is create a signature digital course. And I host that course on Kajabi. Kajabi is a sponsor of this podcast, but I would talk about them till the cows come home anyway, because they literally completely changed the way that I do business and have allowed me to pursue the projects that I really want to pursue because I just make money on autopilot. Now my course is out into the world. It was so easy to create and launch because not only do they have the best customer support I've ever seen in my life, but you can actually build marketing funnels and email funnels and like anything that you can possibly think of that you would need as a support for your online course, it's already on Kajabi and they show you exactly how to do it. So if you're like me and you're technology averse, Kajabi is literally the best option for you. And I shopped around and I'm so happy I landed with Kajabi. It's the number one most trusted knowledge commerce platform for a reason. So if you want a 30-day free trial, head to kelseyformost.com slash Kajabi. That's kelseyformost.com slash K-A-J-A-B-I. Well, and let's talk for, about that for a second. This came up in Moon Circle too, like the the slippery slope of like, you should be grateful right? This would, this a million, I call it devil wears Prada syndrome. I've talked about it on the podcast before when Stanley Tucci goes, a million, million girls would girls. kill for this job. Yep. Right. Which by the way, one of my favorite movies. So you can I mean, look all day long and I will classic. be right there with you. Absolute classic for a reason. Cause there's a lot of truth in that movie, especially about being not aligned at work, which I think mm-hmm. all women at some point in their lives identify with deeply. Mm-hmm. I think everyone has been in that situation where they're like, I should stay in this job because I should be grateful. I'll never make this much money somewhere else. I'll certainly never make this much money on my own. I should be grateful to be in this program. And it sounds like that was the situation you found yourself in too. It was because I didn't pay for any, I was being paid to be there right. as a, as a, uh, a student researcher. Yeah. I had a faculty member that was literally given a grant that paid for me to be there. 
So I, not only was I being paid a salary, but I was also literally going to school and getting this degree for free. Right. Nothing plugs our ears better than money, man. Correct. <laughs> right. And so there is this very difficult experience I was having this whole year. Right. And just to kind of backstep to the competitive nature of these internships, like I said, 12 students got accepted into the one that I was in and thousands applied from all over the world, all over the country, right? And I get to the end of my year being a student where I'm ready to transition into the internship and everything in me is like, get out, yeah, get out. And so first I went to my advisor and had this conversation with her and she's like, okay, well, you need to talk to the program director. And so I muster up the courage to go knock on her door and set up a meeting and sit down and explain what I'm experiencing and basically say, I need you to give my spot to somebody else because I don't want this enough and somebody deserves to be here. Right. Mm. And you were how old when you did this? Um, 22. Yeah. God, what wisdom. Jeez Louise. (laughs) What wisdom at 22 to be like, not this, not this. And so I walk into her office, I have this conversation and I will never forget the sequence of events after this that really propelled me to where I am now. Mm. And this is the situation. I sit down, I tell her what I say, I need you to give my spot to somebody else. This is not the path for me. And she kind of like, I can see frustration. I can see like, who the hell does this girl think she is? I can see also a hint of compassion. Like I understand and I'm glad that you're doing this, but what a pain in the ass for me to have to like deal with somebody correct. So all of this is happening. And she kind of slowly like looks down, like she's gathering what she wants to say. And then she looks back up at me and she goes, I just want you to know, to understand the gravity of the situation that if you turn this down and you walk away from this, there is not a single internship program in the world that will take you once they see that you have given up your spot. They just won't. And so I want you to be really sure that you understand the consequences of what you're doing. And I didn't even have to think about it. I was like, this is a no. This is a no for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And eventually word got out that I had turned down this opportunity and it trickled throughout the whole building with everybody that worked there. And I was having people approaching me and be like, so I heard that you're not doing the internship. Mm -hmm. And somebody was like, aren't you worried about how you're going to make it with just a master's in nutrition? And I'm like, what? Just a master's. I don't even need a degree. I'm me. Like I am me. I am a force of nature. Like, no, I believe this so strongly in my body. There's nothing that's going to keep me here. Right. Like I've gotten to this point. I am miserable. I don't care if I don't make a dollar over the next year. I'm not staying here. Yeah. So that was the journey that propelled me into, well, here I am. I have this degree. I have this education. I'm going to start my own business. Yeah. Right. And so I went full force into entrepreneurship and over the course of the first two years, being a business owner, really learned what it meant to be in a business that is not aligned and then to choose differently. And my friends call me like the, like the reinvention pivot 
individual because I oh, have man. pivoted my life so many times. Which I think let's let's give a moment yeah. for normalizing that. Magic makers, I am so humbled to share this note I just got from a woman named Tina who owns her own dental practice, and she is a student in my signature course, Copy Class, and she just wrote to tell me that she implemented my high five email system that I teach in module four, and her revenue immediately quadrupled. Just from changing the words in her email welcome sequence, she made four times as much money from her emails. You guys, if you're not learning basic copywriting skills, you're really missing out. And I really would love to be the one who teaches you. So if you want, head to kelseyformost.com slash copy class and learn everything that I have inside that signature course for non-writers, everything from email marketing to how to write a website and everything in between. It's kelseyformost.com slash copy class. Yeah. So many of us stay in careers, jobs, relationships, friendships, living situations, whatever, because we think I've already pivoted too many times. Mm -hmm. I've already changed too many times. I've already evolved too much. I should just be grateful coming back to that. Right. But there is no such thing as pivoting too many times. There is no such thing as evolving too much or too quickly the people who are supposed to stay in your life will stay in your life and evolve with you. And the people who don't get it will naturally fall away and let them. Let and them. that is a difficult experience it to is. have. It is. And I think that that's why it's so valuable to listen to conversations yeah. like this and to hear evidence that it is better. Like so often we hold ourselves back because we don't know, right? We don't know what's going to happen. It's the fear of the unknown. So we just stay small or we stay where we are. But that's why listening to things like this is so important to have multiple people say over and over and over, no matter what their deal is, let people who don't align with your life fall away naturally. It is better. It is better than the alternative. We're here to tell you a hundred percent of the time it's better. It's 100% better. And I want to acknowledge that it is scary and it is painful. Yes. There is an experience of grief and loss that happens when people fall away from your life. Mm -hmm. And that experience, I believe, is what scares people so much. Mm -hmm. Like imagine somebody that you've considered one of your closest friends getting to the point where you two no longer align. There's nothing that the other person's doing. It's literally, you're just going in different paths and you're not supporting each other, moving in the same direction. This is true with relationships. This is true with personality or like habits that you hold within yourself. This is true with career paths. This is true with hobbies, like lifestyle, literally anything that we create that safety bubble around where it's like, no, this is what this is. This is a staple in my life. And then you hit a point where that just doesn't land anymore. There's a grieving process that has to happen to let that go. And that I think is what a lot, and, and me speaking from personal experience, trying to avoid that pain mm. and trying to avoid the discomfort that we have to move through in order to reach the aligned 
freedom-based alternative that we're looking for. Freedom-based alternative. to feel that grief. You yeah. have to feel that discomfort. You have to cry the tears. You have to scream. <laughs> you have you to move have through to it. Do, you have to move through it. And that is a really intense experience that I feel a lot of us, myself included, resist. Mm. And it's also a necessary growing pain in order to live the life that you want. Yes. And this is something that we're talking about resilience. We're also talking about willingness. Yeah. So are you willing to get skin crawling uncomfortable in order to create what you want? That's the big question. As the alternative of skin crawling, staying where you are. Right. Because I want to be super clear. Like it's going to suck either way. Like it either sucks <laughs> right. towards a better situation or it just like right. sucks in perpetuity. Right. <laughs> you know, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell another story that I think highlights this really well. Mm-hmm. And that is in my relationship. I haven't told, like, I haven't super been full story about this, but I think it's so valuable based on the conversation that we're having. I would love for people to hear it. Oh, thank you for sharing. I'm, I'm excited. I'm on the edge of my seat. (laughs) It's a good one. It's a good story. I'm like, man, Kyle, my fiance, this is like made for novels. Okay. So Kyle and I have been together for seven years. We met in college. Right. And we broke up for a stint, got back together when I came to Arizona for school and then got engaged two years ago. And when we got engaged, just literally like something clicked where the reality of life settled in, where we're like, oh wow, now we have to really seriously talk about, do we want kids? Where do we wanna go with our life? And it's not like we had never broached those topics before. We had talked about them all the time, but not in a, here's what we are doing together sort of way it was it was always hypothetical versus hypothetical action oriented Mm -hmm. right and getting engaged is like oh shift yeah time to time to really get serious about these things yes and we had been kind of back and forth about kids for a long time Mm -hmm. i landed upon the decision within the last two years because of just where i've who i've become as a woman and where i am in my career and where i am with what i want out of my life yes that kids are not in my future i'm choosing to be childless yes and this is something that is also becoming very new culturally yes but a lot of women are stepping forward and saying i am choosing not to be a mother and there's nothing wrong with me about that exactly there is absolutely nothing wrong than making the right decision for you for your life for your body for your marriage or for your partnership oh my gosh and it's so i'm so happy that that is more of a quote normalized choice Mm -hmm. for women today i don't think women of previous generations were given the opportunity because of societal expectations and norms Mm -hmm. they were not given the opportunity to really choose motherhood yeah and i don't think people understand we're starting to because 
thank God women are being more transparent about motherhood. Yeah. But the demands upon your body, the extent and the weight of the sacrifices that you make, Mm -hmm. like becoming a mother should be a full body choice from my perspective. And I don't think women from previous generations were given that choice to the extent that they really needed to choose in order to willingly be a mother. Yeah. There's nothing more heartbreaking to me than talking to a mom who regrets being a mom. And you know what? I don't blame them. It's a hard job. It is literally the hardest hardest. job. Yeah. And and thank God women are becoming more transparent about that decision-making process. But for me, with how many low points I have had in my life and knowing how dark I can get, Mm. And thinking about how I did not full body, yes, want to be a mom. I'm like, if I became a mom without this being and every cell in my body, yes, I know that I will go to a dark place. And personally, I just don't think I want to be a mom. I think there's a lot of other things that I want to do with my energy and with my time. And that's beautiful. And I appreciate that about myself because when I am in what I want to be doing, you cannot stop me. Like literally there's nothing. And that's how I know, like I am literally living what I love and doing everything that lights me up. Yes. And I think that that's so important when you know what that feels like to have that full body. Yes. When you know that fire under your butt where you're like, nothing can stop me. You can then use that as a calibration tool for other areas of your life, other big decisions that you have to make or other projects that you choose to continue to work on or projects that you let go. Mm-hmm. I remember <laughs> I remember going to a weekend long workshop with um, the authors, Cheryl Strayed, who wrote Wild and mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Eat, Pray, Love and oh Big God. Magic. And I mean, they, it was like, I can't even believe that I was able to do this. It was a four day weekend long workshop. I'm jelly. It was unbelievable. And it was like, so kismet. My best friend found the link like buried in her promotions folder. And she was like, there's like two tickets left. Do you want to go? And I said, yes, just said yes. So we go. And at the end of the workshop, you had the opportunity to ask them questions. And I was shaking, but I had this problem that you're describing where I was like, Mm. I have committed on paper to this project. Mm. I've been working on it for a year and I drag my feet every time I come back to it. Mm -hmm. I need someone who I respect to give me permission to let this thing go. And I walked up to the microphone and I said, I described the situation and I said, what do you do when the magic goes out of a decision or a project or whatever? And they had two answers. Liz Gilbert said, if you have really tried to show up for that thing for a significant period of time and it still feels like this, it's a sunk cost. Let it go. And Cheryl Strayed told a story about her and her husband where they were going through a um, a dry spell sexually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she said they went to a therapist and a coach and whatever. And the the coach said, have sex with each other for 30 days every day. If the spark doesn't come back after every single day, like making yourself show up for the thing, 
then we've got a bigger problem and it's Mm -hmm. not just about the sex. Mm -hmm. And what she said was, yeah, 75% of the interactions we had were like, "Eh." but then we had like two or three that were like mind blowing fireworks and it Mm -hmm. reinvigorated us. Right. Mm -hmm. So all this to say, there is a way to make decisions where you really try to reinvigorate yourself to something that maybe once felt exciting or once felt like something you wanted. But if you've tried to reinvigorate yourself over and over and over again, and it's not happening, then it's time to let go of that decision. And there's nothing wrong with you either. There's nothing wrong with you. That's so important. Yes. Right. So this whole experience, and let me just say like, I originally, my family is very different from my fiance's family. When I walked into my fiance's family for Thanksgiving, for the very first time I was meeting all of them, I was like, this is beautiful. Everybody gets along. There's pies on the counter. I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen this before. Immediately, I was like, I want five kids. I want five kids. I want this life, right? But then I developed who I am as a woman Mm -hmm. beyond my trauma. And I discovered my passions and I discovered Mm -hmm. what I'm capable of. And I felt the feeling of what I want to create. And I'm like, there's nothing I want more than that. Yeah. And so the flip-flop was a huge issue. Not even a flip-flop, just the transformation. The the truth-telling. Right. The truth-telling. The truth discovery of what I wanted was huge. And this almost split us up. We went through months of the hardest conversations of me sobbing and him sobbing and us talking about God. It's like, I've never loved somebody like this to where the realization that if things went wrong, my heart would shatter like that weight of how much I care about you, but also the desire for something that I've always wanted for him to be a dad for me, like this shift to want to build this incredible company. Yeah. It literally, I mean, we got to the point where, you know, we had divided our finances. We were like, who gets the couch? Who gets the TV? We were engaged. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was, and let me preface, not through lack of previous communication. We had talked about this so much, but there's something that happened when the gravity of that engagement happened that became real. It became real. And the most beautiful thing about this whole experience and what I can say, this topic came up from the conversation of alignment and being connected to that inner knowing is I was so in alignment with my inner knowing despite all of the books that I read, the baby decision is motherhood right for you. I had talked to every single woman in my family, right? Mm-hmm. And every single time I did, my body would be like, nope, absolutely uh, pay not. Pay attention to your body. Pay attention, pay attention to, your, to body. your body. Yep. Pay attention to your body. While I was reading these books, my body was like, nope, absolutely not. And I had to be so present with myself to say, is this a trauma response that I'm experiencing? Is this fear or is this a true desire, Yeah. right? And so this internal thing was happening for months, but the most beautiful part and the part that was the most indicative of like true love and true alignment mm-hmm. is I was so in alignment with my no yeah. and he was so in alignment with his yes that there were no hard feelings between the two of us. There was no conversation of, well, we've been together for seven years. Why is this just now happening? There was no frustration. There was no resentment. There was 
the only conversation happening was I love you so much that I want you to have everything that you want out of life, even if that's not with me. Yeah. And so I'm willing to go through this pain so that you can have what you want and vice versa. Yeah. And like I said, we divided our finances. I was looking at apartments. We were ready to press go. And then something happened where I had a conversation with my stepmom. And she said, you know, I just think everything you're saying about what your business gives you, you would get that out of motherhood. And I thought about it and I sat on it and every cell in my body was like, you don't get it. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. And I think he saw me breaking down from that question and crying for Mm -hmm. days because of that question and, and feeling just so thoroughly misunderstood about it's not just about having a project or something to pour my energy into. It's literally about vision and creation and contribution. Children aren't projects. Children are not projects. No, absolutely I mean, that's that's the phrase that crossed my mind when she said that. Like children aren't a business. Right. Children aren't a hobby. And I just, I felt so wrong but right at the same time yeah and it was this conversation internally of like i feel so strongly about this but everything around me people that i'm having conversations with our society our culture was telling me the complete opposite right and so long story short kyle and i went through this transition of him watching me be so in my fire and so convicted Mm -hmm. that ultimately he's like i want to choose to be with you Mm. over choosing to have children Mm -hmm. but the caveat is is any if anything ever changes with you your decisions Mm -hmm. that we reopen this convo but for right now i am happy to move forward and build a life with you without kids And so that's kind of the way that the conversation ended. But the whole like beautiful part of this story is that we were so present with each other and so communicative with each other that we were able to stand in our answers without any resentment towards each other, without any ill will, only wanting the best. And when I'm talking about detaching and letting go is grief stricken. It is painful. This is somebody that I... And building my life with that I thought I was going to spend forever with. And now I'm in a position where, oh, looks like that's not the reality anymore. Right. I'd love to call out too that in your story, at least in, you know, what we're hearing, it sounds like there's a really lovely lack of blaming the other person for their decision or for Mm -hmm. their needs or desires. And also beautiful trust on your part that he can make his own decision either way. Like Mm -hmm. his decision to choose kids or his decision to choose you is his decision Mm -hmm. and trusting that he is an adult who can make the right decision for himself. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Just as you are an adult who can make the right decision (laughs) for yourself. Right. And the whole like reason we kind of went down this tangent is because alignment and letting go of things that you had in your mind that were going to be forever Mm -hmm. is really it's one of the most painful experiences is letting go of things and but on, on the, the other, other side, side <laughs> right but we never would have gotten there and our relationship is so different now because of that experience 
and it's there's so much pressure lifted off for us to make each other happy because we know at the end of the day that if there's something that you know is for you that i'm not going to get in your way of that because we literally almost parted ways in order to uphold that standard and i can't guarantee that every person in your life whether it's a friendship a family member a relationship whatever it may be will respond or give you that same courtesy. But I can tell anyone listening that no matter how hard or grief stricken or painful the situation may be, if you are so convicted in your aligned answer and what you know to be true for you, that will carry you through the most difficult situations in your life. And on the other side of that is closer to the reality like that big vision that we all have of where we want like what we want our lives to be yeah you are setting yourself on the path to continue down that road yeah and there's only happiness and deeper satisfaction and more freedom and more joy on the other side of that and that all comes down to your conviction and what you know to be true for you i love that tristan so let's before we wrap up, I do want to talk about your business. Girl, we went and down like, a life road. We but are. this is what always happens here. This is what always happens in this corner of the internet. And this is why I love having this podcast and this way mm-hmm. of communicating with people because I think it would be doing a disservice to people to just be like, here are some fluffy, like three business strategies. Like, and then like, here's my freebie, go with God. Like that is not going to move the needle forward for someone in their life. But hearing your decision-making process about leaving a career that was out of alignment for you, even though everybody was telling you you were crazy, making a decision that was perhaps counterculture, quote unquote, because you knew it was right for you, that's going to help somebody way more than like, you know, whatever the fuck three business tips. So I, but I also think all this conversation leads into what you do, which is really helping people identify their personal brand and build a strategy around it so that they stay in alignment after Mm -hmm. they launch their Mm -hmm. business. So maybe give us a you know, a 30,000 foot view of how you help people. I know you do a lot of one-on-one work um, and then tell people where they can find you. And I know you've got a great freebie too. (laughs) Okay, guys. So just to kind of wrap everything up, because I know we went down some twists and turns, but starting that business in nutrition, basically where I got from there to where I am today is the same decision-making that I've been talking about this whole time. It is trying something feeling in your body and knowing in your heart that it's not for you and being courageous enough to pivot and being willing to sift through, you know, not having all the details, not having all the information, but being willing to figure it out and lean in, right? That is ultimately what got me into my role as a brand strategist. And my whole ethos throughout my entire transformation and career journey has been what is the thing that you do that nobody else can do because they're not you? Yes. Right. And so when it comes to branding, ultimately what I do is I do work with personal brands. I also work with business brands is I help you look at your brand and identify 
what are the things that make this brand unlike anything else that is on the market? Yeah. What it's not even your secret sauce. It's literally like, what is the perspective that you have? How do you talk that nobody else talks? What are the thoughts that you have? What are the solutions that you're creating? Because in this day and age with business and with branding, people no longer buy based on who's who's got the best price and who's right. got the best uh, quality, right? Like, what are people saying? That's a factor, but now people are buying based on whose brand do I see myself in? Yes. Whose brand do I feel gets me, whether it's a business brand or a personal brand? And also, what is the brand that epitomizes where I'm trying to go or where I want to get with my life, right? Yeah. And so really what we're looking at is where are the white spaces in the industry that you have the blank spaces i hate saying white spaces i'm trying to get it out of my vocabulary because mm. it's problematic it's <laughs> an industry term it's an industry term that i'm trying to like condition out of my mouth You're it comes great. out blank spaces. where are the blank spaces that you and you alone can fill mm -hmm. where a specific community is going to be magnetized to you that's mm -hmm. going to happen organically and naturally and people are going to be so loyal because you get them yeah that's the degree of branding and marketing and business that we have to evolve into in order to thrive in today's business world so this that. is ultimately what I do as a brand strategist is I help you identify those things, implement them into your business, and then get you out into the world in a bigger way so that the right people can find you and so that you are known for something that only you can be known for. That's what I care about. I love that. I love yes. that. And man, you know that that speaks right to the core of my favorite thing with copywriting <laughs> and like learning how to write like you talk and I'm sure copywriting is a huge part of what you're saying, but it, you really are doing the 360 view, which is so important. And I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and she asked me about, you know, why copywriting? And I was like, it's not because I'm helping people make more money because I do, but that's not it. It's because I help them figure out who the fuck they are. And that's what you do as well. You help people figure out who they are so that they can then communicate that and as you say magnetize the right people to and them. be big and take up space like yeah. be big be bright be shiny stop dimming we need people that are just completely out and big and taking up space and letting themselves be seen it's scary it's vulnerable you'll get the trolls you'll get all the things but guess what you are also going to feel a freedom like you've never felt before you are going to thrive because that's where your creativity comes from is through uninhibited self-expression mm -hmm. and you are also going to build a community that is so ride or die behind you because you're willing to be seen that way let yourself take up space yes yes and don't forget to download Tristan's freebie. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, guys. So here's the deal. If you're like, Tristan's a super cool chick. I just want to go hang out with her and be friends. Come find me on Instagram, Tristan.wildwomanhouse. You can come hang out with me there. If you are a business owner and you are looking to really hone in your brand, build that powerhouse, do all of the things. My freebie is a quiz that helps you identify exactly what aspect of your brand needs the most improvement based on a completely customized assessment. 
So you take the assessment, it takes you three minutes, because I know we ain't got time, we ain't got the attention. <laughs> you take the three minute assessment, it gives you customized results that then go deeper into here's how you can improve this specific aspect of your brand. Mm. And of course, if you're like, I want to work with this chick, hit me up on Instagram and let's talk. Let's do it. <laughs> and all of Tristan's information are in the show notes below, as well as on my blog, kelseyformos.com slash blog. Tristan's face will be right up there. <laughs> Tristan, I could talk to you for ages. Thank you so, so much again for taking the time to talk to us today. I'm so inspired by your story. I'm so inspired by your bravery and you make me want to take up space. Do it, baby. (laughs) Be big. Thank you so much, Kelsey. This is super fun. Of course. All right. Take care, everybody. Hey, Magic Maker. If you made it to the end of this episode, it means you're truly committed to inviting more magic into your life. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and follow Find Your Magic on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen to this stuff. Each review truly means so much to me. Thank you for being here. Now go out there and find your magic.